the Open Source Creative Podcast, episode 34, Licensing! <laughs> this is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software during my work commute. I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. I had an interesting title for the show, but then I, I got myself caught in a tangent. A, it's a related tangent, but a, a tangent nonetheless, so I... License Zing is my, my title now. <laughs> uh, basically, the show is, is a discussion on licensing, obviously. Uh, outside of the discussions related to Creative Commons licenses, I haven't really spoken about open source and free software licenses since way back in episode 3. I'm, I'm overdue. So this week, we're talking about two issues that often come up in open source software communities, particularly those tied to creative applications. We're talking about the, uh, the newbie fear of, what if somebody buys you know, my, my open source package and closes it? And I also spend some more time talking about the flip side of that, which is becoming more a common conversation of, why can't we relicense to something that is more friendly to closed source? The the too long didn't read or di- didn't listen listen version of the answers is is that one they can't and two we shouldn't. Of course, you have to tell me if I did a decent job of making the case in both scenarios. Oh, also, I have been doing little tweaks on the opensourcecreative.org website. There's now a resources menu with a couple links in there. One's a tools page where I have a list of open source programs that are useful for creatives. It's it's not comprehensive, and the, the structure needs a, a bit of a spit shine, but I'll, I'll be adding to it that regularly and hopefully updating it and making it look less crappy. And um, I also have the beginnings of a books page where I can share with you books that I think are helpful for learning specific open source tools and general open source philosophy sort of stuff. Right now, it's just got my books on there because, you know, got to start somewhere. But the plan is to add book recommendations you might find helpful, other book recommendations you might find helpful. Uh, so that that's the plan at least. I'd, I'd be curious to know what you'd want there and, and what other resources you might find useful for me to list. Anyhow... Let's get on with the actual show. Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. And turning. Woo. Well, that's a, I think that's the first time I actually talked about my driving while <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> well, other than the fact that then to letting you know that I actually am driving. Hi, and welcome to <laughs> welcome to the podcast from the pollen-covered South. Oi, springtime is hit in Atlanta. We're full of pollen down here. Yay! Everything is yellow. Gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not 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 doing great with these openings. One again, one day, one day, I will have the 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 quintessential opening, the the Northwest Passage of openings. Of course, if it's the Northwest Passage of openings, I'll never have it. But one can hope. In any case, this week's episode is uh. I don't have a good title for it. Um, I've been thinking about it. And I, the best I have right now is, what if they take it away? Uh, I, I'm going to use that 
as my working title because I'm, I'm I need to address something related to licensing and I know I've done this in previous episodes but or at least one previous episode I'm sure but I, I think it needs to be revisited and because the topic does come up as it pertains to licensing and I'm with any luck I can present this in a way that's not dull and boring and stupid that's that's my goal you can tell me if I fail or not so let me actually get to the point what am I actually getting at here there's always a question for for people who are new to open source and new to free software in general is the the wariness the 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 notion of what if they take it away what if what if the the program is suddenly made closed closed source and we don't have access to it what if all developers in the world for evaporate and and take take our take our program away from us and they don't realize and maybe maybe you happen to be one of one of those people uh, you're new new to the field new to the 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 community as it were and you, you don't know that so th- let me let me explain it and hopefully if you if you're not new to this maybe I can give you a another way of, of, of explaining it when when it does come up with people you talk to this mindset comes a lot from people who are used to closed source software people who are used to proprietary tools where say for instance you're a Softimage user. If you're not familiar with Softimage, Softimage is a 3D modeling and animation suite that was very cool. It's, it's, I, I enjoy, used to enjoy really working in Softimage. It's a great tool. Uh, Softimage XSI is one of, the, one of the first 3D programs I ever worked with. And they, it, it was populating a niche, a niche, a niche and, and doing well. And Autodesk purchased the the company that that produces Softimage, and and you know again i've been talking about these these companies a lot so hopefully you know about them but if you're not familiar with autodesk autodesk makes maya 3d studio max uh and a bunch of other 3d suites they're also responsible for autocad that's where they that's where they started with was was with autocad and Softimage got purchased by autodesk the motivations behind it i'm not going to get into but long story short a, a handful of years later, Softimage is no longer a product. Uh, they, basically, they, for reasons I'm not going to get into or, or even try to take guesses at, because it doesn't matter, the point is Softimage doesn't exist. Softimage, as a pro, you can use older versions of it, I'm sure, but your license, if your license server doesn't stop working or if... Uh, any number of reasons then you have a soft homage file you're not going to be able to open it and you have zero recourse and that is what a lot of people from the open source or not the open source the, the closed software world are used to I, it's not i don't want to give you the impression that it's not like these programs are constantly in the state of flux it's not like you know Autodesk goes out and, and, and buys another 3D company or, or competitor every you know every day. That, that's not a f- comment, but there aren't but so many tools, right? There 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 have been more tools proliferating in the recently, but they're just, they're also I mean the market's not that huge for people to sell them, so there just aren't that many tools uh, for where that where that's being made. So it's not a frequent thing to happen, but it does happen, and it's not just with 3D software, right? I mean. 
what happened with, with Adobe and Macromedia. Adobe bought Macromedia and all of a sudden we no longer have freehand. Yeah, we have Flash, but we don't have freehand. We don't have a number of other Macromedia. We don't have Director and another, or a bunch of other Macromedia software that people have gotten used to and working with. So if you want to try to open up any of those files, you might also be shit out of luck. And again, this is what people with experience only with with proprietary tools see. And it's that's part of the allure of, of open source software, right? Or of just open standards, right? If, if they had been able to save to a file format that wasn't proprietary, they, they might not suffer from that kind of lock-in. If they, but even, even taking that a step for, further, further, farther, further, Taking that, taking that an, 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 another conceptual step, if they're using an open source package, then you always, for all intents and purposes, for, 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 in most cases, you always have the ability to open that file because you can always work with an older version. Now, granted, sometimes the older version doesn't work on older operating systems, and there's sometimes it can be kind of a bear to get that to go, but the point is that it's, it's still there, it's still accessible. There's at least some form of recourse that you have. Even if you have to code it yourself or pay somebody to code it yourself, you have the source, you have the ability. You're never truly locked down. With closed source software, that's not the case. So when people are coming from, from closed environments to open source software, they still have those that mode of thinking stuck in their head and they get concerned. You see this a lot and, and you say, well, what if, what if, what if Blender for example, or GIMP or Krita, what if these programs get, get bought by somebody? And when that comes up in a forum or on social media, a lot of people have a good laugh at this person, whoever's asking expense. And it's, it's not their fault. They, they just don't know, right? The proper answer in this case is that it really can't happen. Now there are, I mean, there have been a number of tools that have been dual licensed or relicensed uh, in the past, but even, even if, if a, if a, my understanding at least, and please somebody correct me if I'm wrong, even if a, if a package gets relicensed, it's not retroactive against all other released versions. So anything that was already released, for instance, under the GPL is still subject to the GPL. And you can actually have a license-based fork so that the, such that the GPL version continues on, on its own trajectory and whatever the relicensed version is goes on a separate trajectory. That's, all, that's, that's a perfectly viable way of, of working with it. Now, there are some people who take this from, from a slightly opposite tack. They will look at licenses, specifically copyleft licenses, like the GPL. And if you're not familiar with, with what copyleft means, copyleft would be uh, a license where the Creative Commons equivalent to it would be a, a share-alike, the Creative Commons SA, share-alike, meaning that you, you, whatever changes you make, you also have to share the source. So if somebody makes a change to, to GIMP, for instance, and redistributes GIMP, they also have to redistribute the source code to the changes so everyone can see their changes. That's what the GPL, that's what copyleft licenses enforce. And the other little bit to that is that copyleft license, specifically to GPL, but copyleft license in general don't like, they, have a, they, they, they generally have a restriction against being linked to closed source libraries. So you can't use a closed source library directly and distribute it 
with a, a an open source or GPL'd application. The the most one of the more notable situations, a couple of the more notable situations you see this in is within, is within file formats. So you see that with I believe it with um, Adobe's PSD format for for images or again Autodesk's uh, FBX format. Both of these are closed file formats, but they have a and they have an SDK. They have a library that that these companies will license out to let your application read and write in those formats. But that library is a closed format or is a, is a, is, is a closed API is, is not open source. So you can't, even if you wrote using the, uh, if you wrote your code using the FBX SDK, for instance, you couldn't ship that library with blender users would have to download that separately and, 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 and make that work on their own, which is not that big of a deal, but it's in, in sort of the, the get it when you want it high availability world we're in that that's not something a lot of users are willing to tolerate doing. They'll do it, but they won't be happy about it because of that. There, there, there is a class of people that, aren't afraid of the, the, they, they, they've gotten beyond the, what if they take it away mindset? They're, they're no longer of the mind that, oh no, my, my open source tool is going to be taken away from me. Now they're of the mind that open source is a hindrance to, to getting work done. And there's, there is a rational base for this argument. So you can't use the PSD SDK. You can't use the FBX SDK. So in order to write to those formats, those formats have to be, essentially they have to be reverse engineered and they have to have their own clean, like I won't say clean room, but yeah, clean room implementation of the API so that they can, or at least of the way to read and write those formats. So that's what was, that's what had happened in, in, in GIMP and in Krita, I believe, is that those, those, those formats had to be reverse engineered so that those applications could read and write them. FBX is the same way, and that's something that the Blender community is still running at headaches with, is because FBX is such a large and nebulous format. Even even a lot of Autodesk applications don't support FBX cleanly from one application to another, from one version of, of the FBX format to another. It, it can get really hairy, and so because the format itself is so complex and there's so much stuff going into it, support for that format in Blender has been even more difficult to implement. Now, Blender has relatively decent FBX support for, for a lot of the things that that format handles, but it's still, it's still a headache and nobody really enjoys coding to it. And so it becomes one of those maintenance headaches that people have to deal with. And you see this a lot in conversations when it comes, when it starts talking about pipeline. People who want to incorporate an open source tool in an otherwise closed source pipeline run into problems when they can't use a, a file format, an interchange format, or even a plugin because it, it's it's not compatible with a GPL. It's not compatible with free uh, free software, and they you know on, they feel that, that that that's a hindrance. And so one of the one of the more recent examples of that are. In the 3D realm, there there's APIs for for 
for I/O and for painting that that again they or plugins, not just APIs, but plugins. Like for instance, RealFlow is a, a fluid simulator uh, that can be used as can be plugged into a lot of different applications. But because it's a closed API, you can't do that directly with GPL software. Same thing with with uh, Substance Designer and a couple other different things. And you'll you'll you see this push from 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 another sector of the community that says maybe we should relicense, maybe we should take the software and make it no longer GPL. Maybe we should make it uh, an Apache license or BSD license. One of these quote more permissive licenses that uh, that that are that are available. They're all they're still they're still open source licenses, but they are viewed as being more closed source friendly. I suppose you could put it. They uh, they don't have the 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 restriction that they can't be directly linked with with closed source software. And I've got mixed feelings on this, as probably maybe one should. And so, like, I understand the pragmatism. I understand the 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 desire to you know, have what you want when you want it. And it's not, I don't want to say it's necessarily pragmatism versus idealism, because I don't think that's necessarily the case. Because because people will make that, um, that argument, and I think it's a bit of a straw man. Because the, the, the argument goes something like this, is that, that people who, who want a, 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 like a, quote, permissive license are, are more pragmatic and, and people who are interested in the GPL are more idealistic. I think that's, that's, that's an oversimplification of the situation. And I, and I don't think it's entirely accurate because especially for, for, for the time that it came out, I don't think a lot of open source tools would be where they are now, were they not GPLs, GPL, they would be, you know, if they were, if they were under a BSD or Apache or, or, you know, closed source friendly license, I don't think a lot of these applications would, would exist in the same way that they do now. And that's because they'd be far too easily subsumed or they'd be, you know, essentially a, a holding ground for, for plugins that you, know, you can't get anywhere. You have this, this, this naked frame and you have plugins that, that people have to pay for. This is, this is the open core business model, right? This, and you see this a lot in, in not so much of the creative applications at this point. You see this starting to happen, in, especially in like software as a service type type situations or or IT infrastructure sort of things, and and which I guess is a little redundant. But you see that when 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 you come across those things. So again, the model is you have you have an open core. You have the the base is under some form of an open source license. Usually, again, MIT, Apache, or or BSD, one of those kinds of licenses, and then a lot of the the additional functionality is is bolted on with with plugins that that speak to it to the API of, of this open core, and the the danger there is you end up with a piece of software that is that yeah it's open it's open source at the base of it, but it's essentially non-functional unless you 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 participate in a in a closed source ecosystem if you you shell out a lot of cash or 
you 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 do these sorts of things and on top of that you you don't see the source code so you end up having workflows that are bound to a plugin and if that plugin takes under you you have the same lock-in situation you have with with a full proprietary application you you you've got no you've got very little recourse on what to do next you see this you see this as well in in proprietary software you'll see somebody who gets working in in photoshop or they're working in uh in maya and they they part of the workflow depends on on an add-on or a plug-in that, that works with the api the, the application's api and then all of a sudden the people who develop that plugin decided that the, you know they're not interested in it they're not making enough money with it for whatever reason they just stopped developing it and it slides, slides by the wayside and the people who depended on that plugin no longer have access i mean they still have the plugin but if the api changes if the application has an upgrade or any of these situations they're they're again shit out of luck this is not a problem that's exclusive to open source this is this is a a, a closed source problem that's sort of found its way or is, is looking to find its way in the closed source and that's why i think the open the open core model while it can make business sense is is short-sighted both in a business and community sense because it it, it doesn't allow you to to bring out a a, a healthy ecosystem of 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 open source tools and 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 a functional basis from which to work not just like a, a you know yeah if, if if you imagine that 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 gimp or or Krita were were an open core model and for instance all the brushes or all of the, the i don't know image file format plugins are closed source plugins you can't do a whole lot without those things a lot of the time and that's kind of a contrived example but that you know i'm, I'm speaking off the cuff here give me a break <laughs> um but that's my worry and that's why i'm a little conflicted about about how I, how how to properly feel about this because and, and why i also don't think it's it's a it's a it's an it's a question of idealism versus pragmatism because pragmatism pragmatically speaking in in a in a long-term sense an open source license makes a lot more sense since more than once but whatever maybe it's not a question of pragmatism and idealism it's a question of long-term thinking versus short-term thinking and people aren't genuinely good at long-term thinking right They're, we 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 see what's in front of us and make our judgment calls based on that so i i guess I guess what I'm what I'm getting at there is, and I, and I guess since I'm talking so much about this, the the um, what if they take it away question has already been more or less answered, and that's not the greatest title for this episode. So I have to think of something else. In any case, what what I'm what I'm really hammering at is is on on this notion of trying to trying to relicense an application is I kind of feel it's a fool's errand, right? I I, I understand the desire right i understand the desire to make an application that is friendly to to closed source application uh closed source libraries and and plugins and whatnot and on the face of it in the in the short view 
it does seem more friendly to to users and to uh, to, to to everybody in general to, to make that kind of support to to you know you're 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 being friendly right it's 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 a permissive license we're being friendly but I think I think from a from a long term perspective and and it's worthwhile to think about it that way no matter how tight your deadlines are <laughs> um, from from a long from a long term perspective I don't. I don't think that open source, a lot of our, especially on the creative side, a lot of our creative open source tools, I don't think that they would be where they are today were, were they more permissive in their licensing. And I don't think that, you know, if, if they were to change, if, if any of these programs were to change licenses, I, I, I hesitate to think that they're going to get a whole lot more popularity or development power behind them. I mean... The I will say that the the cycles rendering engine for Blender was relicensed. It was originally GPL and it was relicensed Apache specifically so it could be integrated into other applications, right? So that's why Cycles is now an integrated renderer for Poser, and it's a, and it's an integrated rendering option for Rhino. Uh, or at least I think it's that's still in development. But that's those those possibilities are happening specifically because they chose the the, the Apache license. But those, but Cycles is I think I believe Cycles is a little bit different in that it's it's inherently a a service to another application. It's it, it was always designed, you know, it's very married to Blender, but it was always designed as an add-on. It was always designed to be plugged into blender um and 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 worked that way so for for something that's not a stand necessarily a standalone application and you can yeah you can compile cycles as a standalone nobody does it but for something that's more inherently built to 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 service another application like cycles then then maybe a permissive license works but for for a base application like blender like creda like inkscape like gimp I don't think it makes sense. I don't think it makes sense in the long term. While there's some there's some pains that, that go along with that, and you know people worry about industry adoption of these tools. And again, you, you, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know how how much of a problem I have with the word industry. The industry, right? I'm I'm really resisting going down that rant path right now, but. You see a lot of people in the entertainment industry, <coughs> the entertainment industries, there I go again, <laughs> talking about the adoption of those industries of open source tools in their pipelines being hampered by, by the GPL. And I, I'm not overly concerned with that. And maybe it's because I, I, I stopped pursuing the entertainment industry and marketing industries as much um, in, my, in my day-to-day. Maybe, maybe that's why, but so maybe that's, that's on, on a, a place where, where it's a personal thing for me. But I think even if I was using closed source tools right now, I, I wouldn't, I'm not attracted as much to being part of the entertainment industries, any of them. Um, I mean, I, I like producing my own work. I like producing my own entertainment uh, for other people to enjoy, but I've never been really 
be interested in being part of somebody else's pipeline, even if it is for a really big project of some sort. I, I'm much more interested in, in making my own art. Maybe that's just part of my thing. But I think that's where a lot of that mindset is honestly where a lot of uh, open source tools kind of shine. That's, that's where they're really well suited. Um, and I've talked about this before in, in, in episodes way back, but the reason why I'm getting into that, the whole in, the industry's ad- adopting free tools thing, is I don't think that's that that needs to be a focus. And I, for to be honest, I, I don't necessarily. I mean, while I know that I'm sure that a lot of open source software developers would love to see their software used in these bigger projects. They love seeing their, pro- their software used, period, right? The, just the fact that it gets used is, is, is often reward enough. It doesn't necessarily have to be used in a big thing. Well, and as great as that is, I don't think for most of these developers, that's not the goal. The goal is to, to make a tool that's as good as it can be. And I think that's okay. So... You'll see a lot of people trying to bash GIMP and Blender, and particularly Blender. You see that a lot w- w- as it relates to Blender, specifically because of, of the GPL. And just, but the, the problem, the, the, what it comes down to is, Blender can do a lot of stuff, and it can do a lot of stuff really well on its own. And people are, the, the thing, the takeaway is that people are interested in using it more. But they're, they're, they're having difficulty mixing a, a traditionally closed source environment with with the, the the open source framework that's that's built around blender and I mean they're gonna deal with it or they're not it's not gonna I don't think it's going to change blender right I, I think I think I don't think it's gonna change any of these open source tools they will exist whether they exist whether or not the 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 industries the industry I'm really trying. I'm, I'm trying hard not to talk about it. <laughs> they they exist whether or not those industries have an interest in them at all, and they have for a number of years, and they still have users. Hi, and we use them day to day, and we use them professionally. So I, I don't. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm. What I'm. What I guess I'm getting to is that that. The good news is that. For most of these open source creative tools, relicensing isn't even really a, a possibility. It's a very, very remote, difficult possibility because most of the time, the copyright is assigned is is not assigned. It's it's owned by each of the individual contributors. So if I write code for Blender. Or if I write code for Gamper Creator, whatever. If I write code for one of these programs, and and it gets committed to the development tree, I own the copyright for that chunk of code. It's it's my copyright that that's being licensed under the GPL, right? That that bit of code is being licensed under the GPL in that software. If they were so to relicense it, every contributor would have to be tracked down. And agree to relicensing in any in any block of code that you can't get in con- in contact with that original contributor would have to be rewritten. Like 
completely, not just like changing variable names, like that bit of code would have to be rewritten in a, in a proper way to allow for any sort of relicensing. So with the number of lines of code that are in programs like GIMP and Krita and Blender and, and whatnot, uh, the possibility of any sort of, sort of relicensing is remote to the point that, that I would almost call it an impossibility. It isn't impossible. If there's a, if there's a will, there's, there's certainly a way, but I don't think there's a will. And, um, and I don't think there ought to be based on what, what we've been talking about here. So coming to the end of my commute here and I just, I'll just wrap up by saying two parts of this. If you run into somebody who's new to open source and worried that someone might come along and buy up their open source tool and, and make it closed source so they, they don't have access to it anymore, you can, I think you can safely tell them not to worry. The beauty of open source licenses is that it, it, it can't ever not be free. In the future, there could be other things that happen, but what you're using right now is always going to be accessible. That's not a problem. And then if you also come across people who either express a desire for an open source creative tool to be relicensed, or they express a worry that an open source creative tool could be relicensed, you, you can, in most cases, I think you could safely say that it's not likely that it would be relicensed. And more, more importantly, it would be to, to relicense an application, a base application would be a short-sighted action. I think that I, yes, it would be, it, it would be, it would be beneficial in the short term, but ultimately it would be a detriment to the open source project as a whole. And that's what I think, that's what I think you should say. Now, I'm sure not everyone agrees with me. So you got thoughts on this? I want to know them. And if you disagree with me, I definitely want to know them because it's fun to debate this stuff. So yeah, I'm getting to the end. I am now at the end of my commute. So time to get to work. So them's my thoughts. Do they make sense? Do you disagree? Well, let's talk about it. Also, I, I'd still love to get some feedback on the resource pages that I've added, resources pages that I've added on opensourcecreative.org. Just let me know, what, what do you think I should add there? And all of that can be covered and discussed on my website in the comment section to this show on opensourcecreative.org. Just look for episode 34. You can also track me down. I'm Jason Van Gumster on your favorite social media site. Just look for my name, Monster Java Guns, or OSS Creative, and you will probably find me. And there you can tell me what you think there if you don't feel like making a comment on the website. I also have an email newsletter. It's a plain text light traffic thing that goes out about once a month where you get an early in on anything I'm going to be up to. You can subscribe to that on the sidebar to my personal site on monsterjavaguns.com. All right. Now it's time for you to get to work. See you next week.
was the last job. 